Hey Metalheads, this is Schmier from The Band Destruction, and you're watching Sonic Perspectives. Stay thrash. This is Jonathan with uh, Sonic Perspectives, and I am here with the mad butcher himself who has been sentencing the enemy to death since 1983. How you doing, Schmear? I'm doing great, man. It feels good to be back with a new album now, and it's coming out finally after a couple of months of preparations and videos and interviews, and now next week it's finally out. All right, excellent. I'm looking forward to it. And actually, I had the privilege to get the advanced promo, and I'm going to be providing you guys with a review. should be posted early next week, and I am definitely going to be hyping this baby because, in my opinion, this is the best thing you've done since the Antichrist, if not since released from Agony. It's freaking Thank strange. you so much. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, before we get into this, I just wanted to give you a little uh, backstory, just a little something to break the ice here. I've been uh, a fan of Destruction's brand, brand of thrash since the 90s, which was when uh, I think the band was mostly broken up and I was in high school. But I had a friend ask me at the time, you know, because... Nobody understood German thrash here in America. So they said, what's the difference between what they're doing and what Metallica is doing? So I had a copy of my brother's cassette uh, of uh, Eternal Devastation, and I held it up and I said, Metallica rides the lightning. These guys ride tornadoes. <laughs> yeah. Nice one, nice one. Yeah, and this album that you've got out right now, it sounds like you filled the tornado up with sledgehammers. It's amazing. So can you give me just uh, a summary of the process uh, of uh, writing and uh, getting the album recorded, like how things started and how things progressed up until now? I mean, we, we started uh, when the pandemic was soon full force, so it was kind of a little tricky at the beginning. We uh, recorded in Switzerland. I live in Germany. One guitar player lives in Belgium, one in Switzerland. The drummer lives up north Germany. So we had to come together somehow. It wasn't easy. And uh, we actually needed permission for entering Switzerland for a while because the borders were closed. So uh, the, the style was kind of tricky. But then once we were the studio and we recorded, everything felt great because we could finally work again. And it was fantastic to do music. And somehow this album carried me through the second year of the pandemic because I could write, I could record, I could see the guys, we could stay connected. We saw something is happening finally again and something positive happening in this negative time, you know. So it was an album that when I look back in some years, it will be like, dude, that record saved my life, you know, because it did somehow because it was a depressive time. And, uh, and uh, once you have your baby, together and you know we can make music it's it's such a relief and it feels so good so i think it will be a special album in some years uh, when we look back 
All right, excellent. And now um, getting into parts of the album itself, and I'm going to try not to give too many spoilers because the album's not out yet. But one of the things I wanted to comment on is that it sounds like you're back in the mid 80s. I mean, I'm hearing some screams on there that I haven't heard in a while. I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, man, I, I wish Tom Araya was doing this back when Slayer was still putting out albums. So how do you uh, how did you manage to preserve your voice to be able to do all this? And was there any inspiration from the past that caused you to make be say let's put a little more of that old 80s screaming sound into this particular record yeah the the screams they, they just have in the studio you know when uh when i feel like it and i think it fits i i try and i tried not to overdo it but this time somehow uh, there was some more than normally i don't know it's it's because the material is also more old school somehow and uh, and there was a lot of slots where i felt like screaming and uh yeah Luckily, I've been singing a lot the last 22, 23 years. We had a lot of tours, and I kind of developed my voice more strong. It, I trained it better. So my, my high screams actually are much better than they were back in the day. In the 80s, actually, I lost my voice on many tours. I had problems. And, and also when you, your voice is sore, the high screams don't work so well anymore. But nowadays, I, I, I'm actually doing quite well. And uh, I have more voice control and, uh, you know, I live a little healthier lifestyle nowadays than back in the day, you know, that helps too for the vocals and the experience, of course. But yeah, it's, it's kind of a trademark, you know, um, somehow uh, it, it's an 80s flair and uh, not so many vocalists are doing this anymore nowadays between screaming, growling, high screams, low screams, and uh, I'm trying to do everything and... Uh, the high scream is kind of my trademark. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you, uh, as you mentioned, there is a little bit more of an 80s influence on this album. And I just wanted to make a brief comment on the album cover because it looks like a uh, sort of a mutant version of you is on the cover standing in a sea of toxic waste. And that's definitely an 80s trademark there. I, I remember the days of Annihilation of Civilization and Handle with Care when Thrash was really concerned about the environment that they just had these badass album covers with a, with a monster or of a human being surrounded by toxic waste. It's just, it's... <laughs> yeah, we, we, we said that we wanted the cover that fits with the music. And we said back in the day, you bought the covers and you bought the album because of the covers and covers are so important. And you want to have this, this really old school cover with a zombie. We never had a zombie so far. Can you believe it? So it was time and uh, zombies and metals go, go together and, you know... Zombies always come back, you know, like destruction. So <laughs> there's a lot of uh, little similarities. Absolutely. And now I wanted to ask also, because uh, back in the day, Destruction was originally a three-piece. And uh, over time, uh, just like I think Sodom did the same thing, they decided to, a little more recently to have two guitars. So did that impact the way the songwriting works when you decided to switch to a two-guitar format? Yeah, yeah, it does. Because when, when you write and you know you have only one guitar, you, you always hold back. It's just a normal process because uh, we've never been a band that does overproduced albums and then live we sound like we can't do it. So we always try to do, record the albums in a, in a way that we can recreate them live. And as long as we were a three-piece, we, I was always holding back with the stuff. And when I wrote songs, I was always like, oh, no, we cannot do this. We cannot do that. And uh, 
since we have two guitars again now, since like well, three, four years now, four years, I think, uh, it's much easier for me to ride because there's no more limits, you know. There's, I know those guys can do everything, and whatever I write, it's not going to be complaints. They're going to be like, fuck, yeah, let's do it, you know. And uh, and that's, of course, great because I encourage them also in the studio to, you know, to do more, do more solos, more harmonies, more double leads. And, and they were like, are you sure? Are you sure? I said, dude, we're a fucking metal band. Let's nail it. You know, now we have two guitars again. Let's show the world we're a fucking metal band. And uh, I think this album, Born to Paris, the last one already had some great features with two guitars but this one is much much further i think oh yes absolutely and i wanted to specifically point out this is one of the songs that hasn't been released yet but i just want to make a brief comment on the intro to horrification that is a classic example of how dueling guitar harmonies just really make a song work and and the riffs that come after are just brutal it's like it's that's that's exactly the stuff you write and then you already have the harmonies in your head and you know you know already that this riff will sound great when there's when there's a guitar harmony on it you know and uh, that's the big plus on, on having two guitars when you compose you right away you have this idea like dude why not if you put the harmony on there it sounds like this yeah it's gonna be killer Yes. And so uh, getting into a little bit of the lyrical content, uh, content now, interestingly, a few weeks back, I actually uh, interviewed, it, uh, interviewed and I'm, I know I'm getting his name wrong, but uh, Gary from uh, Tankard, and they, they kind of shy away from the politics. Sometimes they talk about it, but mostly it's all about beer. But a lot of what uh, uh, Destruction does here is political. So could you maybe just speak generally about the lyrical content of the album, how much of it is... Uh, the the more diabolical evil stuff and then what's the actual real world socially aware stuff yeah i mean i i always write about stuff that bothers me stuff that you know is in my way or stuff that happens in the world of course the pandemic was a you know was a big influence but i didn't want to write directly about the pandemic i wrote about circumstances you know about uh, political leaders that misuse their power about uh uh, about, of course, a big problem nowadays, mental health problems, anxieties. A lot of my friends got anxieties. You know, here in Germany, people didn't know so much about anxiety until the pandemic came. And then everybody got anxiety. And a lot of my friends, even some committed suicide, uh, some went in therapy, some are still doing bad, some lost their jobs, you know. So it's something that comes up and and uh, people were still laughing about it. Oh, anxiety, oh, what's that? Oh, I mean, come on, it's going to go away. But no, it doesn't. And uh, if you see people failing and losing their lives because of it, you know, you know it's influencing your, your, your way of life. And uh, I started to write a song about it. Other stuff like Hope Dies Last is a song that carried me through the pandemic because it's like the positive vibe. Like when you're at rock bottom, you got to stand up, you got to fight back, you know, that's important. And uh, a song about um, uh, values, uh, old school values is, uh, is, uh, is the song number five, I think, Last of a Dying Breed. Uh, it's a song that, you know, we grew up in the 80s. And everybody calls us boomers, but you know it's it's been a, a life where everything was slower, where we had no internet, we were in threat of a, co- of a third world war, like all the time. Not like now with Russia, you know everybody's afraid of the third world war. Now back in the day, it was much worse, you know. And uh, and there's certain things that we grew up with, certain educational things that that get lost nowadays, you know, certain appreciation also. 
And the, the song is a little bit about appreciation for this, this kind of generation, you know. And uh, some other songs like Horrification is, is a song that you mentioned before. It's a song about, uh, I call it internet prostitution, you know, people that are selling their lives on their web pages, on their Instagrams, and, you know, showing the happy life they have and uh, showing everything they can uh, to get some followers. And that's, you know, I, I think the word influencer is already disgusting because I don't want to be influenced by anybody that's doing videos on the internet. I want to be my own. I want to have my own experiences and, and create my own type. And uh, I think individuality is the key and not following others, you know. But, yeah, that's uh, stuff that I write about, basically. And uh, it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's the normal world, and it's actually a relief for me to write because the writing for me is kind of a therapy. Also, you know, I can write it down, and it's out of my head, and and I can talk about it, and uh, it helps. Absolutely, and uh, just as an aside, uh, I've uh, I'm kind of the last uh, part of what they call Generation X, and as uh, probably one of the last people to grow up without the internet, I share your views on how internet culture has changed society, and I've noticed particularly that everybody who's under the age of thirty today thinks that everybody older than that is boomers. They have no idea about what Gen X was, or the fact that the second half of the boomers generation. Had to deal with a lot of problems that the earlier yeah. people didn't deal with. I think that was the heart of where metal came from, that struggle during the second half of the Cold War that both of those generations went through. And it's just yeah. so frustrating the single mindedness of people these days thinking, oh, you're just the old people. You don't understand the way things work. I, I think we understand something at least. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty silly, you know, but uh, I guess. That's what life brings, you know, experience and yeah, you grow you grow by experience. And when, when you're young, you think you know everything, but you know fuck all, you know. <laughs> and when you grow older, you start to understand, wait a second, my grandmother was right. Oh, you know, oh, my father wasn't so wrong when he told me I, go, I got to finish my school, you know, because now I'm sitting on the street, you know. I mean, it's, uh, it's something that uh, you learn by life. It's experience is something that you can't buy. It's something that you have to have. And sometimes it's not nice to make experiences, but uh, it will shape your life. It will shape you as you are. And it's funny when young people think they're invincible and they think they know everything. We've been like that too, I guess. You know, it's, it's, a, it's the gift of being young. It's, uh, it's you're overwhelming and you're, you know. But, uh, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't like to be so young anymore. But, uh, of course, when, the more you grow older, at the end of your life, the more you start to think about everything. And uh, that's when the, when you become more philosophy thick and more philosophy and, and, and yeah, kind of, uh, you kind of uh, rethink a lot of stuff that you did, you know, also uh, mistakes you do when you're young, you don't care about your mistakes. You know, when you're older, you're like, man, maybe I shouldn't have done this and uh, let's do it better now, you know? Absolutely. And I think everybody should remember that just because you're older and wiser doesn't mean you're any less metal. I mean, if anything, I think we're getting better. And that's actually the next thing I wanted to ask you about. The production on this album is phenomenal. I mean, everything is so crisp and clear and it just hits like a freaking anvil. Um, how much involvement did you have in the production process? Were you overseeing uh, the people that were working at the controls to make sure that the sounds were just right? Yeah, I mean, uh, basically, 
uh, we produced the album ourselves. I was uh, I was uh, the the main the main guy. Uh, I'm working with a great sound engineer uh, that that uh, we worked together for many years, uh, the Opulver, and uh, we uh, we trust him and he knows the band really well. So this time we had a different approach. We said we want we want everything a little more old school. We want the drums to be real, no samples. We want we want the drums that are played and not fixed in the studio because nowadays what many fans don't know is that there's a drum grid. It's like a metronome, a visual metronome on the on the computer. And that's where you put the sound file. And then you see where the drums are not on the grid. You can fix the drums on the grid. And then the drums are really tight on the metronome. And then it's easier to put everything together. Then the band sounds tight and everything. But then the drums are not the real drums anymore. Then it's basically like a mixture of a drum computer and a real player, you know. And uh, th this is something we didn't do in the last album already. This one knows. This one we actually didn't touch a, a single thing because then the album has still some space. It breathes, you know. Yeah. Uh, even even sometimes some accents are maybe not a hundred percent tight, but it's rock and roll. It's played. It has a human factor, and uh, that's the big difference of this album. Now uh, we try to put more real sounds. Go a little bit more back to the roots with the sounds. I've been listening to the older albums, to some older records from the '80s, and and I started to ask myself, what do you like about this? You know, and. Uh, and I listened to our last album also. I always try to involve the band, you know, in, in a good way. And there was some criticism for a while. We worked with a famous producer for a while, uh, Jacob Hansen from Denmark, which is one of the top-notch European producers, and he's great. And he, he made, like, some really fat production for us. But uh, there was a lot of fans who said this sounds too clinical. And at, when the albums came out, I didn't understand what they meant, but I understand a little bit maybe that that yeah it's maybe a little too modern and then you learn from it you know and said okay this uh destruction has to breathe destruction has to have a fat production but it has to be alive and uh and i think this is what we managed on this album that that's why the production for me this album is better than the last one or the couple of last ones because it's powerful it's not as blown up but it's powerful and uh it, it's real players and you can hear the human factor Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a big fan of J uh, Jacob Hansen's work, particularly the production work he's, he does with Primal Fear. But uh, at the same th time, I think there is such a thing as too much perfection. And I think that a lot of uh, people, especially now, uh, over the course of the past 10 years since thrash metal has uh, received a really strong revival, I think people want that older sound that was a little bit looser and a little bit more open. I don't think they want everything quite and everything computerized the way it's been. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a problem that a lot of producers think that's, that has to happen. And uh, I don't think it has to happen. That's why we, we don't work with a big producer anymore at the moment because we wanted to do our way. You know, the, I don't want to say anything bad about Jacob. He did some great albums. The Day of Reckoning is one of my favorites. He, he mixed that one. Uh, he did a great job, but he's a perfectionist, as he said. You know, he he wants everything at the right place, and and for thrash, that's not always needed. You know, for as you said, primal fear, there's more heavy metal, there's more space. It's a different different approach, you know. But for thrash, it's good when it when it breathes.
Absolutely. And I think that speaks to the uh, the punk rock roots of thrash metal. And that leads me to the next question. Uh, the GBH cover that's at the end of this album. Can you get into that a little bit? Because that also cooks something awesome. Yeah, I mean, we, we grew up on, on, on uh, punk rock. I was a metalhead uh, born into the punk rock generation. Metal, the metal scene wasn't ready yet. I was one of the first metalheads in my region. There was just a handful of people listening to metal. But there was a punk scene from the end of 70s into the 80s. So I was hanging out with the punks. And when the hardcore punk came with the GBH, exploited the Kennedys, English Dogs, Huskadu, all that stuff, I, I was into it because I was like, wow, this is aggressive as fuck. And, you know, the, uh, the, the fast songs, the attitude, the lyrics was, was really interesting. And uh, I was always a metalhead. I gave my friends those, those metal albums, you know, Priest and, and Accept, and, and they gave me the punk rock to listen to. And so I kind of liked both, but I was a metal fan. And when we started Destruction, you could hear this little punk rock approach we had, you know, because we were speeding up stuff and playing everything faster than everybody else. And uh, so the punk rock approach was always there. And a band like GBH, I think it's not very, they're not very famous in America, are they? I don't, I don't think they're so well known in the States. Um, they are known not to the same extent as some of the other bands that were from here, like Black Flag, for example. But I do remember uh, Metallica and a couple other bands in the Bay Area citing them as an influence when they were first starting out. So I think there was some attention because of that. Yeah, yeah. So but, I mean, that's why we basically covered it to, to pay tribute to our roots and uh, and show our fans what, where, we, where it's coming from, you know. Uh, of course, metal is important to us. Uh, the new wave of British metal was super important. But so were some of those punk rock uh, bands. It's interesting how that works, because uh, in the beginning, the new wave of British heavy metal and the punk rock scene, they, not, they didn't like each other very much. No. It seemed like they were kind of angry with each other. I think only uh, Diamond Head and maybe one or two other new wave of British heavy metal bands spoke highly of the punk scene. And it, it was mostly a rivalry back then. Yeah, it was. It was. It was totally two different scenes. But where I'm from on the, on the, on the countryside, as metal wasn't even really born there yet, I, the punks were the only cool guys to hang out with and drink and listening to aggressive music. And the other part was just pop parties. And it was the, the pop 80s, you know, beginning of the 80s was when the worst pop music came out. Uh, Kajagoogoo and uh, Boy George and all that stuff, you know. It was, uh, it was the reason why I became a metalhead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're getting a lot of that stuff now, so I think metal's needed now more than ever. <laughs> but but what's scary to me nowadays is a lot of, the, especially American modern metal bands and European uh, power metal bands, they're using so much pop melodies now in metal. You know, like the choruses, mm. they could be from, from the boy band, from, I don't know, what's the biggest boy band? Uh, how they call it? It doesn't exist anymore. Um, well, Backstreet Boys. Boys. Yeah, yeah. yeah they well, were you know, back school. No, it's like first there's like heavy guitars and like woof, 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 Cookie Monster, and then all of a sudden the Backstreet Boys come into the door. Oh, then there's this nice chorus and like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? You know, this is metal. Stop it. You know, and that's why I like the old school metal approach. Uh, the melodic metal bands from the '80s, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, they were never poppy. They were always melodic. Highly melodic, but never like pop melodies, you know. And and that's something that is uh, that scares me a bit about the new bands nowadays. 
they don't differ anymore between pop melodies and rock melodies. And for me, that's, uh, it doesn't mix well, you know. Mm, I got you. So uh, you're not, uh, do, you, do you blame Halloween for that or do you think it came later than them? <laughs> Halloween is, uh, I call kindergarten melodies. It's still allowed because it's power metal, you know. <laughs> and to be fair, their, their, first, uh, their first EP and their first album, they didn't have the real pretty stuff. It was still pretty raw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up on, on Walls of Jericho and stuff, man. It's great, great stuff. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, we're almost uh, to the end of our time here, but before we finish up, I just wanted to uh, mention that um, uh, to all the fans out there, it's very important that in, in addition to listening on streaming sites that you buy the albums here, especially now, because we got a lot of bands out here that are trying to get back on their feet after the past two years. And I, I reviewed uh, both of your live releases for Sonic Perspectives, uh, Live Attack and Born to Thrash. They were both excellent albums, but I know that not being able to tour for four, uh, two years is, is really rough. And so it's important to buy the album, support the bands every way, er, er, in every way that you can. So uh, everybody listening, you know, you may not write for a webzine. You may not be able to spread awareness that way, but talk to your friends and tell them it's okay to maybe listen to the song on Spotify once and say, this sounds good enough to buy, but then buy it. Yeah. Also, it's important to, to support the bands, go to the shows now when they're back on the road, buy the merchandise directly from the band. Don't buy bootlegs, you know, mm. because bootlegs, is nobody gets money except the fucking bootlegger and the band got nothing. And uh, uh, that's why I always say it's a great thing to support the band by, by the merch directly at the, uh, the show. Then the band gets most profit and uh, then there's nobody else in between making money and it's direct support for the bands. Exactly. The media is not going to help us. The governments don't help us. We got to do this ourselves. So buy that's that. That's the way it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's been great talking to you. I hope I can catch you on the road. Right now, the passport situation between America and Europe is a little bit weird, but I have, uh, I'm have i a frequent traveler over there, mostly Eastern Europe. Uh, sadly, uh, my, uh, my girlfriend spent the past two weeks dodging bullets in Kharkiv, and now she's in Eastern Poland. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's, it's not as bad now, but there's still bad stuff out there. And that's why we need metal to keep us aware of what's going on in the world. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Sure. We actually come into America uh, end of April to uh, to tour in the states. Excellent. Yeah, I am definitely. Are you hitting uh, the East Coast, uh, like the New York, uh, Philadelphia area? Or? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're actually we're playing in uh, playing New York, like in Brooklyn. We're playing uh, uh, end of April. Okay. Yeah, I'll try to see if I can get up there. It's a little tough to travel up there right now. Uh, Where but, do you live? Uh, uh, I live uh, right near Philadelphia. It's about roughly two hours from New York. Okay. Yeah, it's worth the trip. I just got to make sure I can make it. <laughs> yeah, it would be great. It would be great. Um, yeah, I mean, playing, playing Brooklyn again is kind of, uh, that's where everything started. Our first show ever in New York was in, at the Lamours in Brooklyn back in the day. So uh, it's kind of cult to go back. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Back in the day, uh, the Philadelphia Spectrum was actually Dio's favorite place to play. I think they tore it down, though, um, or they changed the name. I can't remember, but I haven't I haven't been there in years. But uh, Philadelphia used to have a great metal scene. But now it's uh, I think everybody's kind of fixated on pop music now. So the yeah. bigger cities, I think, are the places to go. <laughs> 
Too bad. Yeah, we didn't play in Philly forever. I think it's it's been 10, 15 years or so the last time we played in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's very hard to get a, a large venue over there because they can't get the same audience uh, draw that they do in New York. Um, Primal Fear played uh, there back in 2016, but they played at the Trocadero, which only holds about three or 400 people. They didn't play any of the bigger ones. Okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully one day you can come back. All right. Yeah, I, I hope to catch you. And if not, at bare minimum, I'll be telling all my friends about this new album because they need to hear this. <laughs> okay. Yeah, tell them to check it out. Absolutely. All right. Well, this has been Jonathan with Sonic Perspectives here with Schmier. Catch him on the road, buy the album, and stay metal. Thanks a lot, Jonathan. Thank you.